Very nice, very sweet. Thank you for that, and God bless you. Well, it's our privilege to uh, listen to the Word of God being preached. Um, you watch the uh, little movie presentation, and you can see that uh, Dr. Carter comes with a lot of credentials. He's had a lot of experience, and uh, he's really got a good thing going. Let's listen with all our hearts. Make sure your cell phone is turned off. Would you please do that now? Make sure there's no interruptions. And uh, let's try not to leave our seats at all during the preaching. Let's stay tuned and say, stay glued. Amen. Dr. Carter, would you come? Thank you, Richard. Wow. I... Uh... I was sitting there as the young ladies were singing. I've enjoyed your service. What a, what a blessing it's been. And uh, God just kind of struck my heart, and I just had to say to myself, woe is me, I am undone. <laughs> when the Lord's lifted up, it ought to put us in the right place with Him. And that's not proud, I'm telling you. Uh, who am I? Who am I? I'm looking at John chapter 4 this morning. You've already read that, so I'm not going to read it again, but I want to deal with some things here that I believe uh, stand out in this portion of Scriptures. John chapter 4 primarily was talking about and showing us the harvest. Uh, the Lord deals later on with the fact of the fields, and we talked about that in Sunday school, that are white and harvest. But as I begin to look at this portion of scriptures, I, I'm just amazed at some of the things that are, that are dealt with. It talks about, first of all, a woman. And I want you to know that the work of God begins with an individual. In fact, as he begins to talk about the harvest here, and he's leading up to teach the disciples about the harvest... He does a little practice on his own, and he deals with a woman. What an amazing thing. As I read verse number 4, it says, he, he, Jesus said this, he says, And he must needs go through Samaria. That's an amazing statement to me. It was not normal for the Jews to go through Samaria. They were quite prejudiced, if you want to know just the bottom line. They didn't like the Samaritans. And so it would be normal for them to go the long way around to get to Judea, no matter how much longer it would take them, because they did not go through Samaria. And yet Jesus determined here to go through Samaria. And I believe as we began to see this story unfold, we began to realize that Jesus went through Samaria because of a woman. I'm so thankful for that. This woman wasn't anybody special. We see by the very testimony, first of all, she was a Samaritan. Amongst the Jews, that would have been a step down. She had been married five times. Not too, not too good a testimony today, not alone the day that she would have lived. She was living with a man. Certainly we teach against that, and yet this was her life. Now, I can't imagine amongst her own people even then she had a reputation of being somebody. 
This wasn't the king's daughter. This wasn't the ruler's child. This, this wasn't a, a rich man's daughter or, or, or anything that would accumulate in her life to make us think that there was anything special about her. This woman was, best we can tell, a sinner. But Jesus came through to see her. I'm reminded of the day in 1960 when the Lord came through Bakersfield, California. And I was that person. I was that person. I was a nobody. There was no reason that anybody else would have ever considered making any special note for me or going out of the way for me. But Jesus did that day and he met with me that day. And I thank God it's never been the same since that day. Been saved now for 57 years and I wouldn't trade it for anything in this world. Nothing. What a day that was. I hope that you remember the day when the Lord sought you out. You know, you understand He did seek you out. He said, I come to seek and to save that which is lost. He was looking for me on that day in 1960. And I hope that you've had that day when He come and knocked on your door and says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man open the door, I'll come in with him and sup with him and he with me. Wasn't that a wonderful day? If you don't have that wonderful day, I want to challenge you. Don't let the Lord pass this way and you miss Him. Oh, what a wonderful thing we see here. Jesus comes out of His way to find a woman who had a need. She didn't understand it. <laughs> she didn't quite understand it when He first began to deal with her because you see, she had to come to herself and understand some things before He could ever help her. But the first point of my message is the woman. The second point has to do with the water. What a need. We all have needs of water. Water is essential to life. It's, it's essential to life in several ways. First of all, your body has to have water. A lot of the ailments that people suffer from are because of a lack of water. If you have joint problems, it probably started because you weren't drinking enough and those joints are lubricated by water. If you have blood pressure problems or artery problems, a good chance is it has something to do with the fact that you didn't drink enough water. You see, water is what causes the blood to be able to flow, what causes the nutrition to go through our body. The biggest share of your body is made up of water. You take the water out and you're a pile of dust. Water's essential. Water was essential in, in, in the days that Jesus was coming through Samaria. And for this woman, she had come out there that day to draw water because she was thirsty. And she had a lot of other reasons she would cook with that water. And everything else that was going on was essential that she would have that water. In the early days of our civilization, water would be fought for. People would go to war over having a well and owning a piece of property where they could have water to take care of their creatures. Because water was so essential and it was understood. And this woman comes this day and finds Jesus sitting on the well and that shocked her enough because he was a Jew. But then he had the audacity to ask her and say, could I have some water? And she says, you're asking me? I guess I could say that when he came to me. 
Who am I that you'd talk to me? I'm a nobody. What do you mean talking to me? You, listen, you're supposed to look down upon me. Why would you talk to me? He says, I've got something that you need. Now you understand in her mind, she hears him say, I'm thirsty, get me some water. But the truth is, is what he's trying to do is start a communication circle with her. And he's trying to help her understand some things. As they begin to talk about this water, it goes back to Jacob's well. As they begin to talk about Jacob, you understand this woman was talking about religion. Physical. Jesus was talking about relationship. Spiritual. He was trying to help her understand. He says, if you drink of me, you'll never thirst again. He says, I'm going to provide you some water that if you drink of it, you'll never thirst. But she was set on the physical. She didn't understand what Jesus was trying to tell her. Go over in John chapter 6. Keep John chapter 4, but go to chapter 6. And look with me at verse number 35. It says, And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. And he that believeth on me, listen to that, those that put their trust on him shall never thirst. He was talking to her about spiritual water. Going over to chapter uh, 7, John chapter 7, and look there at verse number 37. In the last days, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Listen, Jesus was telling this woman, I've got something that you need. I need, I, I need to help you here. Yes, I'm thirsty. Physically, I'm thirsty. But I'm more concerned about your thirst. You have a need of Christ in your life. By the way, I said that. You have a need of Christ in your life. Let's make it simple. <laughs> they just sang it. It's written right here. People need the Lord. We need the Lord. We can't do without Him. Jesus is the source of the water of life. He is the eternal drink that you must accept. You see, there was a woman there with no hope. She was going to get some water and go back and live her wicked, terrible life and die one day without any hope except in her religion that had let her down. Jesus came and helped her understand that there was something more important than the physical. It was the spiritual. It had to do with the relationship. And an amazing thing took place. Look at verse 28 in chapter 4. The woman then left her water pots. I like that. <laughs> she came down to get water. And then she left without the water pots. It don't even make a lot of sense, does it? Why would you go for water and then leave your water pots? But wait a second. And went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto her. In the meanwhile, the disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. Now, we see here that this woman, there's a transition that takes place. Something has changed. 
She has left the physical and now she has taken up the spiritual and she heads back to the city to begin to tell others about what she has found. Look at verse number 39. And many of the Samaritans of the city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, He told me all things ever I did. So when the Samaritans were coming to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them. And he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own words. And said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. We see a woman. And when that woman had found water, that woman left that which was her old life, the physical, and all of a sudden she became a witness. We go from woman to water to witness. <laughs> She goes back and begins to tell others what's happened in her life. She says, listen, I found the person that knew everything about me. I found the person when I saw him, I saw myself for the first time and I realized my need wasn't physical water. My need was eternal water. I put my trust in him. Come see a man that told me all things. She became a living witness what an amazing story. What an amazing happening. Now, now listen carefully with me, okay? Verse number 11, go back there. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou this living water? Now, that's kind of a quick trick question. Jesus didn't have a bucket to get the water out of the well. But he wasn't concerned about the water in the well. He was concerned about living water. Now, do you realize a transition takes place here then? Jesus is the one with the bucket. Jesus is the one that has the way to draw water. Think with me. She while questioning the fact that he didn't have a bucket, became a bucket. You know, the Bible says that, that we are like clay in the potter's hand. And you know what the potter wants to do? He wants to form us into a vessel. He wants to make something of our lives of a vessel. In Timothy, it tells us that there, uh, uh, in a great house there are many vessels, some to honor and some to dishonor. Do you realize that God is looking to find some vessels? Do you know what you do with vessels? Carry water. <laughs> He's looking for some that would go back to the city and cry out and say, Listen, I found the answer. Come and see. Come and see. See if he's not the answer. See if I've not found the Savior. See if he doesn't change your life. See if you don't have something worth living for. Come and see. See, he was looking to make a vessel out of this woman. God uses uncommon vessels. God chooses folks that we would have never chosen ourselves. But he takes folks that literally their lives was a ruin. 
And once they've drank of the water of life and they've put their trust in Christ, He begins to form them and make them into something. And if they'll allow Him, if they'll allow themselves to be plied and pliable, if they'll allow themselves to be sanctified, the Bible says that we're to be sanctified, meet for the Master's use. If they'll allow themselves to be cleansed or pure and set apart, God can use them. And what does He do? He says, I need a witness. Here's a lady. I've come here today for that woman because that woman's going to be willing to let me use her. And what does she do? She goes to her city and brings the whole city back to him. <laughs> I'd say he's pretty successful with his endeavor. What an amazing story. Now go back over to John chapter 7 just a second here. Look what it says, verse 37, we looked at that. In the last days, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scriptures hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believed on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet crucified or glorified. Now we know that that has taken place. Christ has been glorified. And if you don't have the Spirit of God, you're not saved. But if you've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God indwells you. Now, Spirit of God is represented in the picture of the living water and it's living in you. And the Bible says it's like a well springing up inside of you. And if you would just be the vessel of honor that God wants you to be, you can take that water and spill it all over everywhere. <laughs> and people can get a drink. It's an amazing story. But there's something else that we see in John chapter 4. It was kind of what the story was built around. It's called a well. A well is where you go to get the water. You've got to have a well to get the water. Now, go back with me to Genesis chapter 26 then. In Genesis chapter 26, I want you to see what the Lord has here. Because it's an amazing, amazing thing as you begin to put it together. There was a famine in the land, first of all. If you read the beginning of John chapter 26, you'll find there was a famine in the land. But God has raised up, and, and Isaac has come to age, and Isaac's uh, been blessed of God. And beginning in verse 13 of John 26, it says, And the man waxed great, and went forward, and grew until he became very great. For he had possessions of flocks, and possessions of herds, and great store of servants. And the Philistines envied him, and all the wells which his father's servants had digged in the days of Abraham, his father, the Philistines, had stopped them and filled them with earth. And Abimelech said unto Isaac, Go from us, for thou art much mightier than we. And Isaac departed thence and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerah and dwelt there. And Isaac digged again the wells of water. Now, <clears throat> key word there in verse number 18 would be the word wells, W-E-L-L-S. There's two wells that were dug here by Isaac. If you'd read there, it says, first of all, the wells that were uh, dug by his father. It says the Philistines had come in and they had filled them in with earth. By the way, the Philistines were the people of this world. And the people of this world had come in and filled in the wells of water with earth, with, with earth. Now that was bad. It was filled in. They couldn't get water out of those wells. Even though the wells were still there, they could still be located. They couldn't get any water out of those wells because they were filled with earth. 
Now you do understand how important wells are. Where there was no water, there was no life. I did some research on this, and the average cow, if you just want to go with cattle, the average cow will drink 30 gallons of water a day. And they say in the flat terrain, there needs to be a well for, for a cow to prosper, for it to actually gain weight, which is the goal when you have cattle, for it to actually prosper, the wells have to be within two miles of each other. If you get in rough terrain, they can't be any farther than one mile from each other. If they go any farther than that, then that cow is going to go through a, a, a dehydration process and it will lose more weight. And see, eventually that grass that's right around the well is going to be gone and they have to spread out. And the farther away they get from the well, the harder it is for them to gain weight. So, Isaac had to dig wells. He went and he first he dug out the wells of his father. That meant he had to go in there and clean them out. He had to go out, out there and get the earth out of them and get it cleaned out. But, but then look on, because it goes on. Look at verse number, for instance, 19. It says, And Isaac digged in the valley and found a well of water spring, or springing water. Look at verse 21. And they digged another well and strove with them also. By the way, there'll be strife when you're digging wells. And he called the name of it Sitna. Verse 22, and he removed from thence and digged another well. Verse number 25, and he built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants digged a well. And in verse number 32, look on, it says, And it came to pass the same day that Isaac's servants came and told him concerning the well which they had digged and said unto him, We have found water. The need of the world is water. The only way that God chose to take that water to the world was a well. We call it a church. I call it a church. You see, you go out, you tell people about the water, tell them they need the water, you bring them back to the house of God where they can be trained and prepared and then they can take water and go back out into the world. That's the church. That's why God gave the Great Commission Church. Go ye, the church, in all the world and preach the gospel. What's the gospel? The good news about the water. <laughs> and take it to them. We've got to get the water out to them. They need water. And so we have churches. And the churches, here's, here's the picture I want you to understand. It can't be church. It's wells, not well. Here's my concern. My concern is we don't have enough wells. <laughs> and, and here's the thing. I don't believe you can put the wells so far apart that they can't see each other. I think, I think you've got to get the wells close enough to where the souls represented in that area can hear the gospel. I believe there's a need in Oklahoma City every 10 to 15 minutes down the road for another local New Testament Baptist church. I found that our church in Mustang, and there was a time on Sunday mornings when we were in Mustang, that we'd have up to 40 people out on visitation. We had 20 soul winning groups that went out every week at some point during the day and went out knocking doors. They were blocked off and they was given squares to, to visit. But you know, with all those folks out knocking doors, the truth is we still just had a sphere of influence of approximately five miles in radius. 
So who's knocking doors 10 miles down the road? Well, we have people driving from there to church. I'm not, listen, good Christians are going to find a church if they have to drive. But what about their neighbors? Who's telling their neighbors about the Lord? Who's reaching their neighbors? Listen, I believe that anywhere you start a church, if you do it for the Lord, is right. But I just can't help believe that we have some resources here that we can come back to the well, get some water, and then go out a ways. And it could be that we could dig a well right out of the local New Testament church with the approval of the local New Testament church. I mean, there may be a preacher here that would give their afternoons to go out 20, 30 miles down the road. Why do we need to keep digging wells? Well, I'll tell you one of the problems we have in Oklahoma. The devil has filled them in with worldliness. Our churches are a joke. And I'm talking about some of the churches that would use our name. The truth is they've left the truths. They've left the Word of God. They've left music that is honoring to God and lifting up God. And they've brought in the worldly music. And they brought in all the filth of this world. And they're trying to make a religious scene where people can come feel good about themselves. But the truth is people aren't getting saved there. People aren't finding the Lord there. Because there's no water there. It's been filled in. That bothers me. We're trying to dig some of those wells out. We're trying to encourage you to help us dig some wells out. We're trying to say, okay, now we've got some of the wells digged out, but you know, over here there's not a well to dig out. Let's dig one here. Let's just get a well. Let's find some fresh water here. Why? Because that's the harvest. This whole story comes back to the Lord talking about the harvest. In John chapter 4 and verse 35, he comes back and he talks about the harvest. He said, the fields are white in the harvest. And, and he's helped them understand some things. He helped them understand that, first of all, the harvest started with a woman. But then, secondly, the harvest came back to a group of people in a city. And thirdly... They were all brought back to the well. And we've looked at how important it is that every community have a well. But my question this morning is very simple. It's very simple. It starts with number one. Are you that woman? Are you that individual that the Lord is talking to today that needs the Lord? That's where it begins. The harvest began with one person. One person that was sitting there saying, Mama, I'm not sure I'm saved. I need to talk to the preacher. She says, okay. And the pastor came by. She says, Pastor, my son's kind of telling us that she, he doesn't think he's saved. He doesn't know for sure if he's going to heaven. Would you talk to him? And he says, sure, Mrs. Carter. And she grabbed that little boy by the hand and she, he took him to the back of the room. And he, he sat down on a chair and began to go through the gospel with that little boy. And that little boy sat in there and understood what he was saying. And the preacher says, do you want to ask the Lord into your heart? And I said, I sure do. And he says, well, let's, let's get down on our knees here. And we got down on our knees there and we prayed and we asked the Lord to come into our hearts. He did and I did. <laughs> And I drank of that water. 
Are you that person today? It's a question. I'm not sorry, I drank. What about you? Would you bow your heads? Close your eyes. Would you stand, please?